Just before 7 o'clock Eastern Time last night, my son, who was studying in Israel, called me. Don't worry, he said, I'm okay. I had no idea what he was referencing, but he quickly informed me of the terrible tragedy in Meron, from where he himself had just returned. Several hours later, I was resting in bed, scrolling through the terrible headlines on all of the Israeli news sites. Meanwhile, with my bedroom window open, the joyous and melodic sounds of song from my neighbor's Lag Baomer bonfire carried through. The contrast was almost too disorienting to bear. Around that time, my father-in-law called me to share what he had just heard from his local rabbi, Rabbi Eitan Feiner, at a community celebration underway just as the news from Israel was trickling in. I will be frank. I don't know that it is a message I can incorporate today when I am feeling so broken, especially having just discovered a direct personal connection to some of the victims. However, perhaps I and others will find these thoughts helpful in the coming days, or perhaps even as we head into Shabbat. Rabbi Feiner recounted a story that occurred immediately after the Holocaust, on the first Simchat Torah following the war. Rabbi Elia Meir Blach, the great Tell's Rosh Hashiva, was seen dancing with great vigor, embracing the Torah scroll, as is customary on this joyous holiday. A student asked him, in wonderment, how he could possibly celebrate like that, having so recently lost his entire family to the Nazi murderers. The rabbi responded that to live as a Jew means to contain multiple, even conflicting, emotions at once. Not for one moment did he forget about his beloved relatives, he said, and yet, still he danced. This inherent dichotomy exists within the day of Lagba Omer itself. Although the day, the 33rd of the Omer counting, is known primarily for its Kabbalistic connections, the Talmud actually describes it as the time that the 24,000 students of Rabbi Akiva ceased dying. These great leaders, repositories of Jewish tradition, perished because they did not sufficiently honor one another. The commentators struggle to understand why the cessation of a tragic period would trigger a day of festivity. The 17th century author Prichadash explains, On that very same day, Rabbi Akiva recruited five new students, signaling the rebirth of the forsaken tradition. In the depth of his pain, mourning the collapse of his world and his life's work, Rabbi Akiva, known throughout the Talmud as a leader of great consolation and optimism, dusted himself off and began anew. For that, each year, we celebrate. The centerpiece of the Lagba Omer rituals is the bonfire. It is these holy conflagrations that draw hundreds of thousands each year to the small mountain village of Meron, burial place of the great sage Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Fire is complicated, self-contradictory even. It is a most physical property, yet it draws us in with its ethereal glow. Fire powers engines that build and transform the world, yet it can also destroy with ferocious intensity. Fittingly, fire played a central role in the temple service as well. We read this week in Parshat Emor of the priests and their unique position in the sacrificial rites. They presided over the flames that, in consuming the offerings, expiated sin, offering relief to the burdened penitents. A sense of guilt and pain mingled with a feeling of release in that holy environ, with its otherworldly flames. We find another expression of competing emotional states in the holiday of Rosh Hashanah, also referenced in our Parsha. This holiday is known in tradition as a day of judgment, a solemn title, 
Yet it is also considered a joyous holiday, marked by festive meals, symbolic fruits, and family gatherings. Once again, we are asked to integrate opposing emotions. As I began above, I cannot really access this balance right now. On this morning after, it is only pain. But perhaps as we enter Shabbat and beyond, that will become more viable. In the haunting prayer, Unetana Tokev, recited both on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, we are told that on these days we pass before God's judgment, Kivnei Maron. The Talmud offers various meanings of this phrase, but at least one denotes passing in single-file fashion through a narrow crossing. I cannot help but be struck by the phonetic relationship between Maron and Meron, the city where unimaginable tragedy has just occurred. Our holy brothers were killed because they could not pass through in single file. That pain is almost impossible to assimilate right now. And today, we are all B'nai Meron, sons of Meron. Shabbat Shalom.